Hello. Oh, hello, hello. 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 Oh, and uh, here now we can see everyone. Okay, cool. Oh, you know what? I should be using headphones, right? Uh, if you like. <laughs> Is that is that better for you if I use headphones or it doesn't? Uh, it's it's just uh, for your comfort, I suppose, for headphones. Oh, okay. Usually people ask that I wear headphones, but <laughs> if it doesn't matter to you, then it's all good. Yeah. Oh, right. Hello, everyone. Um, let's see. Hello, uh, I'm Brian. This is Kathy over here, or maybe down here. Hi. Hi, <laughs> Kathy. Down there. Yeah. Hi, hi, Danielle. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. I, uh, I have been reading your book extensively, so I have ton a million questions, way, for, way too many for us to even ask here. I guarantee you, like, I had that many before I even contacted you, I'm sure. Uh, but, um, Kathy, uh, what's, your, what's your experience with uh, the, the book here? 
Oh, so uh, so let me, uh, maybe I should. We should maybe. Uh, I don't know how much Brian has chatted about like the show yeah. and who we are and what we do, right? So yeah, like, uh, can you tell me a little bit more? I actually think I'm going to use headphones after all, but please, fantastic. Please, okay, telling me. Um, so while you're setting up, I'll just kind of give a little brief background. So uh, Brian and I actually started not knowing each other. We were just like mutual followers on Twitter. Um, and But we've followed each other now for some time because I, I currently live in New Mexico and Brian used to live in New Mexico. So we would chat about New Mexico things. Currently, by the way, I am in Roswell, New Mexico. So I'm having a delightful time here. Um, Did you see any UFOs yet? <laughs> yeah, just, just on a visit. Uh, but I live in Santa Fe. Um, anyway, so Brian was talking... I think about your book and reality TV on the timeline one day. And he was saying something about reality TV. And of course, I, who love reality TV, jumped into the conversation immediately and was like, oh my God, blah, blah, blah. Let me have something really silly to say here. And that actually led to us starting this podcast. Um, really? We, we had so much to talk about on the timeline that it basically was like, oh, why don't we just get together and talk about it on a cast we're like sure and so we never it wasn't until like the first time we recorded that we even saw that we were you know actual human people yeah because we had been living behind our avatars this entire time oh okay exactly and, and and that is the case with you know many people like in our world which is like a whole subculture of people who are united by pretty much the only thing is like we live in this little space we've constructed for ourselves on Twitter, which, I mean, there's a lot of us, but it's hard to even put a label or like a lasso around these people. So mm -hmm. um, everyone just knows a few of them. And then all together, we, uh, I don't know, sometimes we work. So, and, <laughs> and the last thing I'll say too, because I feel like it's really critical to this piece is like, I personally feel that part of what Brian described of like us being like comfortable with like this weird anonymity and then like jumping right into it. I think it's, I'll say I myself, I'm on the millennial cusp and I consider the way that um, I grew up with the internet and access to the internet and like seeing the rise of reality TV, I think actually made the entire thing not weird, if that makes sense, so. How so? Um, well, I feel like on the internet, right, we, well, we use like not our real names on the internet, at least me currently, the avatar that Brian and I met through, you know, we're just, you know, just a random cartoon character that yeah. says something on Twitter, right? Like you're not, you know, we have silly names, you know, like we, we change them all the pizza, time too. <laughs> pizza lover one, two, three, right? It, it doesn't, it, it's like the old school aim chat names right like surfer boy you know like it doesn't mean anything right? right it's like corn fan right whatever right um but there's been also this shift as we've seen online with like the like the fake personalities how do you know thoughts are how do you know who real people are this like shift to wanting to use real names facebook talks about this like how do we verify real names and prevent fake accounts right um yeah. Which is like a weird conception to me as someone who, uh, like, I'm currently fascinated by the Google AI chatbot, right? Yeah, because I'm like, I feel like I'm savvy enough that I could, you know, suss that out. But of course, that's, that's maybe the test, right? Like, maybe I'm not. But mm -hmm. here I am talking to Brian, perfectly sure that there's another human on the other yeah. end, right? Yeah. Like, why else would this person be talking about 
Survivor season 17. Right. <laughs> right. There's no, yeah, it's, it's, and, um, and I was actually talking to someone about this yesterday, like, um, Sadie, who we're going to think we're gonna do a food show like a couple times a month. Um, uh, Heldo on Twitter. Um, she's, uh, a person that I've known, she was like my third follower. This is like 13, 14 years ago. Um, and, and we're still like pinging messages back and forth almost every other day about something, you know, funny or silly or interesting or emotional or stupid. And it's like those networks over time, you know, all of a sudden at some point, you know, hundreds of people and your follower list is probably only those people. So you, you get, um, I don't know. Uh, I use Twitter a different way than I think a lot of other people do. Kathy probably uses it in a similar way. Um, but yeah, it's a whole little world, and, and and it fits right into all of this, I think, uh, because none of us really know like what's the truth and what's real. But we all have to like have this level of trust, which is very similar to like trusting the producers of a show. But we are the producers of our own show when we're online. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, um, so, have you done like other episodes of this before? Yeah, um, I, I've I've spoken on the book a little bit. This is like episodes. Uh, 12? 12, 13. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we've been cracking through things. At the beginning of our show, we were trying to really focus on, like, what was the beginning of reality television. Um, and we decided that it was possible. Quite like, well, I mean, it very much is, honestly. It starts with, uh, like, dramatized programs that imitate, and this was Kathy's idea, that imitate real life. So, like, uh, I Love Lucy was, like, a great example that I thought that actually Ooh. fit in because the format didn't exist. So if the, someone wanted to express a story like that or even show the interior life of uh, an American family at the time, even if it was fictionalized, the only way they could do it was through something like that. But because they were producers and everything and had such authorship over their show, like, that's why we think it's, like, um, spiritually connected to, like, this whole package of what we call reality television. Um, yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. It, 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 we think it bends in such a big arc. Yeah. And you can see I'm like super yeah. excited. But this is how we are every week. So <laughs> I'm excited. Well, I'm always excited yeah. to talk about reality TV. Great. So. Awesome. 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 Um, let's see. Let me actually like uh, start the program technically. How about that? It's hello, everyone. It is Wednesday. You probably heard some intro music earlier. It's Wednesday, June 15th. It's 2.08 p.m. This is this is episode 12 of Reality Issues. And you can't see us, but we are all here looking at each other in the face and uh, very excited about it. Um, and this is um, Kathy, as always, as I said, and, and author uh, Danielle Lindemann we have with us, Professor Lindemann, I want to say, because uh, it makes you sound excellent. It makes us sound excellent. <laughs> Um, uh, Welcome thank, and thank you for joining thank us. You. Thank our, you very much. On our Reality Issues podcast. Yes. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Good. Well, um, I guess we'll get started with, uh, uh, I guess, one of my biggest questions uh, through reading this, and I, I, like, I've been it's wet from the pool. I was just reading a little bit ago still. Um, uh, how, I mean, you say in your introduction how you actually got started into this, but like, um, how did you decide to turn it from like a passion or like a, a strong interest that you had into like actually like deciding I'm going to commit a serious amount of time to this and like make it like a commercial product out of this or like write a full book? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I, well, I was teaching a sociology of reality TV class um, at Lehigh University in the sociology department. And that was just sort of an accident. Um, and that, you know, I was coming in as a new professor and the department chair at the time said, oh, you could teach a freshman seminar on pretty much anything. 
And what sort of popped into my head was, oh, sociology of reality TV, because it was something that I enjoyed. And I didn't have any sense of how I was going to teach it, I just thought it would be really fun. And then that became a really popular class, and we made it a regular class, not just a freshman seminar anymore. Yeah. So I taught that class for multiple years, and I always thought, you know, this would make a really interesting book and a sort of interesting kind of portal to the world of sociology kind of through reality yeah. TV. Yeah. So then, um, so then after I got tenure, I was like, oh, now I can write about really kooky, weird things. Like, I don't think reality TV is actually that kooky and weird, yeah. but to a lot of people in academia it is. Um, and so that's sort of when I went for it in terms of writing the book. Wow. I, I, um, what, what were your colleagues' reactions when you started to, I mean, I, I know you touched a little bit on the book that it was, people probably thought it was an unusual topic, but um, how did you, how, how did you go about convincing the people around you that like you were going to like kill it with this? Because let me say, for people who haven't read this book, every damn page is pretty goddamn interesting. <laughs> um, oh, thank you. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of my colleagues just will just support me okay. no matter what. Um, I mean, there are definitely people in academia who, you know, you tell them reality TV and the response is, ugh, why? You know, and then you sort of just have to, ex well, I mean, I, I don't know why we still have to explain, right? Like we've had Donald Trump as a president. More yeah. people can name the Kardashians than can name Supreme Court justices. Yeah. This is this cultural juggernaut that's impacting our lives every day. So even if you personally don't like it, you know, you have to acknowledge that this is something that, you know, is woven into our cultural fabric and into our lives. Um, but for the most part, the, the thing that I really like is sort of stumbling across colleagues who are closet reality TV fans. Yeah. Like, you know, at conferences and stuff. Well, conferences don't really happen that much anymore because of the pandemic. But, you know, in the pre-pandemic times, um, you know, when you find someone who's like, I actually really loved The Hills. And then you're like standing <laughs> in a corner together, like talking about Spencer and Heidi yeah. in hushed tones. That, that's the best. Yeah. yeah. I, I just started no, watching this is Laguna actually, Beach, so. Yeah. We're, sorry. We're all both excited. Yeah, sorry. Go, <laughs> ahead, go ahead, Kathy. Um, it, this has actually also been my experience in telling people about the podcast, right? Like, um, not that I'm like that person at the bar who's like, oh, I've got a podcast, right? Like at every moment, but you know, I am sorry, everyone. Um, <laughs> but, it, but what I have found, right. Is that like the topic is actually very interesting to these random people I'm meeting, which is actually kind of surprising. Right. Because I, I feel like if someone was like, I have a podcast on, uh, again, no offense to the age of Napoleon, but like I have a podcast only on the entire history of the Nap Napoleonic era. Like you're going to have like two people who are like, oh, my God, that's the most fascinating thing on Earth. Right. Unless they're like already kind of nerdy about it. Right. I feel like with when I tell folks, oh, yeah, like I do this thing and I talk about reality TV, everyone across all spectrums, all classes, races, the people that I engage with on a daily basis are myriad everyone has something to say. Um, so that has also been really fascinating to see like um, everyone's version of their reality TV closet, right? That you were describing of the, everyone, oh, actually I watched The Hills and someone will be like, well, I'm a professional chef and I actually love watching John Taffer destroy, you know, whatever. Right. It's like yeah. really interesting to even get into those folks' psychology of like, well, why are you hiding it? Like, why, like, mm. it's not, why do we even consider it shameful, right? Is right. I feel part of the question there. I think there's so many interesting things happening there too, right? This idea that 
reality TV, we think of it as a guilty pleasure, right? But on the other hand, it's bringing people together. It brings together people, sort of really disparate people from kind of all walks of life. Like, I was at a kid's birthday party the other day, and his grandma started talking about the Chrisleys. I don't know if you know the, the Chrisleys, <laughs> I right? I just recently and learned so, of about Of course them. you do. Of course you do. You, you have this podcast, right? And so and she just started talking about the Chrisleys, and then these other parents started talking about and I started talking about the Chrisleys from, like, an academic standpoint, and it just, you know, people kept joining the conversation, and then we started bonding over it. So it's really this interesting paradox where we're supposed to think of it as this guilty pleasure and not supposed to admit that we're watching it. But at the same time, it serves this kind of social function of like really binding us together in interesting ways. Yeah, uh, the family the family ones are something I haven't dipped into. I just saw some news about uh, the Honey Boo Boo Alana like got separated from her mother now, just like yesterday, the like few days oh, ago. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, okay. like like now she's uh, being raised by her like sixteen or eighteen year old sister or something like that. I think like it's a uh, just read about it, so I don't know all the details. But yeah, I, I haven't even covered that show yet. So now I'm going to go in when I do dip in, and I'm going to have all that color around it. That at the end point. I'm going to have that relief knowing that, I don't know, if there's something that I <laughs> see that's, like, throwing me off, I'll be like, well, I guess it's not her situation anymore. So, which it oh. which totally changes how I would have looked at the show while I was going on, which is the same thing with the Kardashians, um, uh, which is about going back to, like, keeping things in the closet. For me, like, I, uh, my first access, I, I only started watching reality television, like, truthfully, like, in, in earnest um, before this project about, January last year, um, and I started. I started with uh, Love Island, and I watched season three of the UK show of Love Island, and I got through that, and I was like, "Wow, this like totally changed my mind about everything." And then I started watching a bunch of different shows. I watched Are You the One? I watched like one through six of that. Blew my mind because I was like, "How are they constructing?" You could see like all the pieces in place and like the differences of the different shows, and it was so drastically different than Love Island. Then I got into, you know, more recently like Survivor, and now I'm seeing like all the the game uh, reality shows. Um, I forget the term used, game docs. Uh, I really love uh, those now as an example of like, um, especially going back to season one or season two of Survivor, like that, now that I have the vocabulary to explain reality television to people, I don't feel like I have to keep it in the closet anymore. Because I can say like, oh, this is why I like it. This is why other people like it. This is why um, the group of people that I know that like Survivor now, that we're all watching like old Survivor, like this is mm -hmm. why we like it. And, and this is the context for it. And I don't feel like I have to be in the closet anymore, which is very similar to other things that have happened in my life where I didn't have the vocabulary for something. And all of a sudden, I could be part of, I don't know, uh, the group that was... Uh, it was acceptable to talk about those things, but it's like I never felt like I had a gateway until someone else let me into reality television. Um, I don't know if it's my position where I was and my life or the world that brought me on my path, but I felt like I never had a gateway. And, you know, six months later, I was obsessed with the Kardashians and watched literally half of it, which is probably hundreds of hours of the show. And mm -hmm. I was going crazy about all the trip episodes when they go to Bora Bora with uh, Chris Humphreys and everything like that. I was like, Losing oh, my yeah. mind, having like a blast. It was like going to the movies for me, like watching those trip episodes. It was like, you know, and I. So, Danielle, something that yeah. Brian just said. Um, Thank you. Because Brian and I have talked about this before. Yeah. We've, we've talked about this like, because I never had that sense of like shame around reality TV. I like loved Jerry Springer. I loved watching uh, like um, 
like the, uh, we've talked about proto reality TV. Like I loved America's Funniest Home Videos, right? Oh, I loved yeah. all the true crime shows, like America's Most Wanted. Um, don't get me started on things like un, like unsolved mysteries and all those things, right? Like, um, right. so I never felt that like sense of shame or like. Um, but this is something that's come up: this like highbrow, lowbrow distinction mm-hmm. of reality TV. Like, because I'm I'm trained as a very like highfalutin academic myself, like. Um, but that was always like, no, that's not like, I'm not bringing it, it. Like the irony was that I was like, no, like the whole thing about reality TV is to not approach this. Like I'm reading, you know, Virgil's Aeneid or whatever. I'm just consuming this. It's fun. It's like a popcorn movie. But then as like, I started watching it, like, and I got older, like I couldn't help but like academicize or intellectualize what I was watching, even as I'm like, this is still fun. Right. Um, so I'm curious also, like, I've, I've also been curious about this, like, gendered distinction of, like, the highbrow, lowbrow, which TV shows it's okay for, th- that are, like, coded as female shows or that are coded as male shows, right? Like, I, I think it's even come up for Brian and I, there aren't very many men who are totally comfortable saying, I love catching up with the Kardashians. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was not Why okay with saying that? that even when I started watching it. It took me like three months yeah. to like talk about it on Twitter. And even though I loved it and did it every moment I had free time with you know people in my house. So. Right. I mean, I think part of that is women are more likely than men to be viewers. Um, but a majority of, of us are watching reality TV. So that includes men um, as well as women. I mean, also, if you look at who's on these shows, like these shows are, are coded very female, right? I mean, there's like the deadliest catch, right? There are a few Duck Dynasty, right, that are kind of more masculinized shows. But, you know, a lot of them kind of feature women on the shows. They're geared toward their advertising. They're geared toward women. Um, but, you know, I talk about this in the book, and I think that's one of the reasons why we tend to think about reality TV as a guilty pleasure. It's not the only reason why. But it's one of the reasons why, because we do tend to kind of devalue cultural products related to women and femininity in a way that we don't with cultural products related to masculinity, right? Like, what really is the difference between consuming reality TV for fun and consuming something like football, right? Like, no, no you know, difference, people, really. Right. Well, I mean, people often say, well, there's no intellectual element to reality TV. Oh, it's so mindless. It's okay, but, you know, sometimes we just consume things for fun and like you said right that's that's okay it's just you know popcorn that we're popping into our mouths yeah um and you know the same like football what there's no intellectual element really to football um so i mean you have to think about what's the difference between those two things and i think a huge difference between those two things is one is coded feminine one is coded masculine within our culture yeah we've discussed baseball a lot in this podcast just because i'm a huge mm-hmm. baseball fan and, and kathy is too and, and we're going to have like a baseball specific episode i think we're actually going to watch baseball wives which was a nine episode canceled series of it was an oh, offshoot yeah. of basketball wives like way back at 2009 i think um, we found it on iTunes. We can we can actually track it down. I think we're going to try to like maybe watch through it on the podcast because like, oh, that's like so fun. nobody's probably ever talked to you know, watch that you know discuss that on the internet. So I think that's all we are a fun little thing. But um, where was I going with that? We were getting to um, <laughs> distract myself with baseball wives, um, <laughs> like the guilty pleasure of reality yeah. TV and gender. Yeah, yeah. When I um, when we were talking about baseball in a previous episode, we got to the point where we decided that ultimately uh, the cast of baseball is the professional players that are on the teams and the fans are, you know, sometimes in the stands, but they're frequently at home. And ultimately, as it's a presented program, it's not that much different from a reality program like at all. Um, baseball 
I mean, they all fit the same mold, honestly, but you're, you're catching up with like the celeb news, you know, like seeing like the gossip about like, maybe I'm going to find out if the Kardashians or their lives have changed before the show comes out or significant events have played out. Like I knew about, you know, for example, I was, when I was started watching, um, the Kardashians, I had a tremendous trouble not spoiling anything that happened just by like reality taking course, just watching just looking down at my watch every once in a while, looking at a notification, I'm like, uh, Travis Barker and, and Courtney are like married? What is happening? You know, like, what is this? And I'm trying to stay. Like, I've been trying to take my best effort to experience uh, the, uh, pro- like the Kardashian program, specifically, like, through the timeline. Like, I'm trying not to spoil anything. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like that's been, like, an instructive kind of, I don't know. It's like, uh, I've been watching a lot of things out of order, real world especially, but... um. But Kardashians, I need to see in that sequential order because I feel like it's so it's such a like a um, an important point to like all of reality television. Um, Laguna Beach was important too. I honestly think that Kardashians follows the Laguna Beach model. I actually think Laguna Beach was the original LA reality formulative show. Um, uh, constructed scenarios and yeah. all. I do think Laguna Beach and, and the Hills do have more constructed scenarios, but th- the Kardashians contained and constructed more scenarios as time went on, in my opinion, due to real life things, I think, becoming maybe too heavy for like to always have on the show, especially with, in the Lamar era. There was a lot of like, let's take trips and let's like not uh, you know, discuss any of this because it's really heavy and real. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that like, that's another thing that has come up a lot on our show, which is the way that like, the way that celebs will like mediate their reality or their image through their show and then the way that that starts to leak out it starts to become uncontrollable right like you can't like if there were going to be like a you know special secret wedding episode of the kardashians and they tried to keep that secret right now like that that'd be like a damn near impossibility right like um but like, imagine they tried to do, right? That that's basically what happens with like her hair, or is she going to go to such and such Met Gala this year? Right? Like, if, if like it happens in the news before it's ever shown on an episode, right? And so like, no matter what, like everyday life is spoiling Brian your experience of the yeah. past, right? Because that's essentially what you're doing is you're yeah. trying to process the Kardashians through. 2016 right. or whatever, right? Exactly. And it's yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> but you're still watching. It's kind of interesting, right? Because mm-hmm. even though you don't have that tension, that suspense, right? Because you know how it's going to play out. You're still yeah. watching. And through the time travel of having seen Kanye's recent recreation of their wedding, I was able to actually insert in that blank area when they never showed the wedding on the e-show at all. I was able to be like, oh, here's the recreation. I was able to watch it on YouTube and imagine what it was like when they were in Italy wow. or wherever they were when they did that. And I was like... Oh. That was like, I got to see like the missing chapter of like, you know, Kardashians. And even when I was like a couple seasons past that. So, um, yeah, uh, watching these things in hindsight, especially when you're seeing um, the biggest thing I noticed like right away when I started watching the Kardashians from the 2022 perspective or 2021, I guess, was um, Bruce's transition, uh, Caitlyn's transition, rather. Um, it, uh, those The people in the house say a lot of extremely obvious if you go back and watch just the first season the people in the house say a lot of really um critical things of bruce at the time that are like i don't know what was happening in that house but um if you watch it with today's eyes you're going to see that they were definitely like really treating uh, bruce extremely poorly um 
like I think people always said that, even at the time. Yeah. Right. It was yeah, and especially regarding like the uh, uh, the transition and everything. It's not it's not a good picture. And still, even now, reading about it now, like like um, Caitlin feels completely cut out of the family and everything. And I don't you know I haven't seen the context. I don't know exactly, but like once again, this is the thing that I now like I'm constantly exposed. I'm not even reading these articles, but like headlines are popping up. So now. Even I can't even experience like this archive essentially of the show without being um, kind of like inflicted on all this, which I think is kind of the perspective we've been taking is that going back and watching Real World Season 1, Real World Season 2, or even I'm about to watch Real World Season 3, I just watched Homecom the first episode of Homecoming, like and seeing those New York people, and it's like, or seeing John from Season 2, like, uh, you know, 50 years old or whatever, it's like, having that instant 2020 thing is what to me is making reality television the experience of watching it now is like what's so fascinating to me i feel this feels like time travel i guess that's what i'm getting around to it's like cultural time travel i've been watching a lot of ads and 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 taping things uh on youtube for i've been uh into the commercials between the programs also like throughout this process trying to find some error appropriate commercials and stuff and Going through that, um, absorbing a little bit of that with the show is also very telling. If you go like search for like VH1 commercials in like, you know, early 2000s and stuff like that, like digesting a little bit of that, the poison with the 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 treat is is a little interesting too. So I suggest yeah, that's trying. Yeah, such an interesting way to watch. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like looking back at like you know your old photo albums from when you were a kid, and like there's a picture of you with like a toy stethoscope, and it's like of course you became a doctor, right? You like look at the follow the breadcrumbs and like fill in the clues. It's like looking in the Kardashians for like coded signals of what's going to happen in the future. Now that you know, yeah, it's 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 there's a lot to read if you go back and read things. There's a lot to read. Um, the especially in seasons, I'll say one and two, especially, I think or you'll see a lot of things where you're like, well, in 10 years, this all makes sense. And you'll see like Kylie, uh, you'll see even like season one and two, there's a couple scenes where Kylie is like, oh yeah, she's going to be the one that's like the most financially successful out of all of this. Clearly she's going to have some really? kind of like, you saw that. I don't no, think anyone saw that. Coming. I did. Oh, I, man. Well, uh, with, with <laughs> now that you know, knowing yeah, it, yeah, knowing it and know. having yeah. someone sitting next to me going like, Hey, did you know this? And she's like a billionaire. And I was like, what? <laughs> hair extensions and false eyelashes and all this. And I was like, oh, wow. Lip kits. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Danielle, have there been have there been any reality TV shows for you that you've like gone back and watched, let's yeah. say, kind of like what we're doing that you and you've said, wow, I've really come away with a, like a different view of that or something. Hmm. What have I gone back and watched? I mean, not really. Not really a different view. I mean, I think like when I went back and watched Survivor season one for the book, it, I hadn't seen it since two, you know, the year two thousand, yeah. right? So like twenty years. Um, and I, at the time, it seemed so like wild and zany and groundbreaking and flashy and high. And like and looking back, it's like it's almost like a nature documentary, yeah. right? Even just like the way it's filmed, very like, ramshackle. Like, yeah. It's ramshackle. There's like actual people with like body fat on the show, yeah. right? Like it's almost even the way it's filmed very net. And the people are just like naive in some ways about like Richard Hatch is like the only one who's playing the game. He really, is. In any kind of oh, way. I went crazy when we started. Yeah. Kathy knows the first episode after I watched that. I watched all of Survivor season one in like a day because I was just like blown away. And Richard first episode, boom, first time he appears, he's like, "I'm gonna win this game. I just have to get to the finish line. I know how to I get know. there. I just have to do it." And I was like 
What? And now everybody is Richard, right? But yeah. at the time, yeah, mm-hmm. it was revolutionary. Wow. So, I mean, at the time, it's like everyone was watching. Like, I, people I talk to today, like, they can tell you if they watch the final episode of season one, they can tell you, like, where they were when they watched that I know episode. exactly. It was my grandmother's house, the whole family sitting in really? front of this little push cart TV. Yeah, we were eating, like, coffee cake and drinking, you know. I know, yeah. and I was watching with my parents, and like yeah. I, they don't even like reality TV. Like, no, no one did. My family was watching. Yeah, it, it was incredible, and that's why everyone can reference Survivor now, pretty much, because in the, yeah. the last twenty something years, you've had to have heard of at least a little bit of getting known, at least know about getting voted off the island. That's a phrase that has to be omnipresent. But it does seem so toned. I mean, same with season one of The Real World, where, you know, you always hear about, like, Kevin being, like, the first, like, quote-unquote angry black man, right? right? And then you you go back and watch the episodes, and he's like, huh, you know, I am angry. Like, just, he's not, he's not really, you know, he's just kind of quiet and thoughtful, like, well, you know, like, there's a lot of racism out there, so I'm kind of angry, right? It's it's not like this explosive fighting or anything like that. I mean... And so it's just like really weird to look at it now through like the lens of our of our perception. Did you go back and watch season two at all? Um, LA the LA season with Dave who got kicked off in like episode six or seven. <gasps> who pulled the blanket? No, I didn't go back and watch that one. Um, I'm not. Uh, some point, check that out. There's a lot to. I haven't thought about it enough to really like talk about it yet. But there's something I don't. I don't know. It's such a complicated scenario, and it was happening like the early '90s, and I, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, they got him kicked off the show. I mean, there's the a show. lot that's been written about. I think oh, I haven't, about him oh, right, being being framed as like okay. a kind of like a sexual predator and like race yeah. and everything that's happening they, there. Oh, I didn't know that. They had him come back in Homecoming. I saw, uh, but I haven't watched it yet. I just saw his face in like a screenshot. Right. Um, so, spe- like the other, I, I was I was watching some random true crime silliness on Hulu or whatever over the weekend, like while I was doing laundry, as I tend to do. Um, and there was a scene in one of these, um, I, I don't remember what it was called, this particular show, right? But it was one of these typical 30-minute vignettes. We're going to focus on a crime story from crime to investigation to here's what we think happened, right? Mm-hmm. Like very digestible little um, episodes. Um, and they were focusing on this um uh, on on a murder, of course, and um, this person who was accused, um, you know, gets uh, interviewed by the cops, and um, the cops are like, "Hey, we have some terrible news for you. While you were out of town, your wife was brutally murdered, and uh, sorry to be the bearers of bad news. Um, why don't you sit in this interrogation room for like ten minutes while we get you some coffee, and we'll be right back." Right? Oh my god! Um, and in typical cop fashion, right? They're hoping that you know. I don't know that if they were, if he was particularly a suspect in that exact moment, maybe they actually believed they were breaking, you know, a bad news to it, you know, a genuinely victimized husband. Right. Um, and when the, the moment the cops leave, you see this person kind of go through this, like, almost like this rehearsal of, oh, my God, I can't believe my wife is dead. Right. And he doesn't realize, of course, that there are cameras in the interrogation room, which is unfortunate. How could anybody he not who's at seen, this point right, in time? Right. Right. How would anyone in this day and age is going to think they're not being watched? Right. But he goes through this rehearsal. And then when he comes back or when the when the police come back, he then kind of goes through it. As I kind of watched it, I was like, you know, they portray it as a rehearsal. 
um, that he was rehearsing and preparing for the cops. And when I was watching it, I was like, it didn't look like a rehearsal so much as he's just a really bad actor. I think he believed that the cameras were there. I think he believed he was really weeping and like, oh, my God, my poor wife. It's just he's so bad at it that the cops think he's rehearsing when he's actually being like, oh, my God, I know they can hear me. Now, of course, I don't know. I'm not the cops. I'm not that guy. Right. Um, But it did make me think about, like, whether he was acting for the cameras or whether he was acting for the police that are right in front of him. Either way, he was acting right. At some point, he turned on an act. Right. Um, Because, of course, it turns out it was a murder for hire scheme and he killed his wife. Right. So, like, Mm -hmm. he wasn't actually sad to see her gone. Right. But here he is acting. Um, But it made me think about this. Right. Of like how just like what you said, how can anyone in this day and age not expect that they're being watched and videotaped by the cops in the interrogation room? Right. So if I know that I am right, certainly no matter what, my response is about to be impacted. Right. Like, what if he hated his wife anyway? And she just happened to have been killed and doesn't actually feel anything for her. Does he feel that he has to cry in order for them to believe he's actually innocent? I mean, it just made me kind of start thinking mm. about think of the concept of reality. What are we mm-hmm. acting out? Whom, whom are we acting for? Um, and even if all of those cameras were gone, like, wouldn't he be acting for himself anyway? Oh, that's like if a tree falls in the woods, right? Mm-hmm. No, no one's around to see it. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I think it's interesting that like sort of one of the critiques of reality TV is that it's not really real, right? Like yeah. the people are just acting. I mean, I get that all the time. Like, how can you even watch this when it's not really real? It's like, but we're all acting, right? Like we're on the yes. various stages to some extent or another. We're all acting on the various stages of our lives. And like, yeah, of course the people in reality TV are, are putting on a performance to some extent, but... Aren't, we all are. Otherwise, we act exactly the same around our family and our coworkers and our kids. Yeah. And, you know. hmm. it's, it's funny to think about uh, when we are, in fact, our true selves. Um, well, I don't think, I mean, a sociologist would say, right, there isn't really one. You can't really extract a true self that's totally divorced from, from society, right? Because from the minute we're, like, out of the womb, we're being socialized. So it would be really hard to kind of find an, an essential, like, core self that's untouched by by social forces yeah speaking of creating a social force within a a, a game a game doc i just want to ask you real quick a tip if i was on survivor right uh, i was just reading uh briefly about uh well, I want to watch all of Survivor, see if I can get on it. Certainly that show will be on until the end of television. Um, but you, you write in your book about uh, strategies employed on Survivor, and you write about the dyad and the triad specifically. And I, I was wondering um, if you had any tips for the person trying to get on Survivor, what would be your critical analysis of uh, trying to lead a group as Richard did and taking it to the end? Are you trying to create... Uh, an alliance of just two people that are getting you to the end, three people? Or are you trying to create a large group and lead them? What is what is the key to success that you think? I was reading a little bit about that, but I think you've definitely thought about a lot more than I have. Oh, I don't know. It's so different now. Like what we were talking about, Survivor is so different now because people are really like they're playing the social game. I think, I think, I, I don't think Richard would have been successful. In fact, he came on right in the subsequent season and he mm-hmm. wasn't, he didn't win. Oh, okay. Um, 
right? So I think he was the only one who was thinking about that in terms of like, okay, we'll create an in-group, there'll be an out-group, mm. in-group just has to have one more person. In fact, his group was even smaller than the other group, but the other group wasn't really like playing the game that, in that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, all you need to do is have a critical mass of people. So I would say you need to create an in-group that's the majority. Okay. And I mean, that's really the key to success, right? That was what happened in season two. Uh, the, one of the groups, I mean, right before they merged, one of the groups was just getting destroyed. I mean, they they like were winning some of the games and their people were getting preserved, but like they were like, it was a bad scene. And then like one guy fell on a fire at some point. Like, I don't know if you, season two is oh, a- I don't remember that. Season two is a very, very, well, Kathy will, well, Kathy pulled up the, the real dirt on the man who fell on the fire. We found out was uh, in season 25 in the Philippines. And then we read a little bit further down the Wikipedia article and we got to uh, controversy, I believe. And then we found out that he was uh, mm -hmm. uh, investigated for fraud of some kind, a Ponzi scheme. And then when they were investigating that, they found out that he had a, uh, uh, child porn on his uh, computers. Mm -hmm. What? Mm -hmm. oh the man gosh. who fell in the fire. Remember, Apparently, I don't remember no. someone falling into fire. I don't. I must have. And I yeah, watched Mike, that season too. Mike season two. Mike. Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah. He's like the fifth or sixth person to go. And then th that season's crazy. They have the whole uh, gamut of uh, what, uh, climate change things happen. They have a flood that destroys the camp. It turns a dry riverbed into like a rushing waterway and sweeps everything away, including their food. They almost starve. They, they start losing. Like a lady starts like pulling her hair out. She's like oh. losing her hair from starvation. Like, they all look terrible. There, there can't be another season where they allowed, just in my mind, and Kathy's, Maybe there's one worse, but I don't think there can be a season where they let them get the conditions that bad before they like start like giving them a little bit of a handout to like make the show watchable. Because there was a couple episodes there where they were so like lethargic from not eating that they were just like laying around and like waiting for the game to like just yeah. move by. It was so uh, every time I watch Survivor now, I think about how they let those people like <laughs> uh, flounder for quite a bit and like all the people in the future, um, how they treat them because. Uh, like it actually terrifies me thinking of like the announcement that there is now going to be a Squid Game reality show. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yesterday they announced oh. that four hundred, the full four sixty-five, oh, the four full four sixty-five people. They're going to do. Netflix is making it. It's the whole thing. They're going to do it, and it has a four point six five million dollar pot, just like the game it has a big pot. You know, you get to the end, you're the last person, you get it all. I assume that's probably how it'll work. Um, you know, I guess you could so split one it of the first fiction, conversations but... Brian and I ever had was about the running manification of like cruelty yeah. and right like so there's this there's a science fiction movie called The Running Man which is based on a Stephen King short novel it stars Arnold Schwarzenegger um, and Danielle I don't know if you've ever seen it but for our I listeners never have. Who... oh okay uh, put it down on your list I'm gonna give yeah. you just a very brief synopsis no spoilers yeah okay so. Um, the story revolves around uh, the opening scene, for example, is Arnold Schwarzenegger plays uh, some kind of a military officer leader. He's a helicopter pilot and re he receives orders to fire upon a group of civilians who are demonstrating and protesting down below. He refuses to carry out these orders and he gets court-martialed, he gets arrested, he gets punished, and his punishment is that he has to participate in a Hunger Games, Squid Games, survival to the death match television show that is broadcast to the entire city. He's made an example of. He is, he is uh, um, 
he's he's uh while he refused to fire on the civilians by the time that he has been court-martialed he's become the patsy he is uh the government's target he's now the reason all of those people were killed and, that, and then filmed, yeah. he enters the show and then that is where the actual rest of the conflict of the film begins so that was like only in like the first like 10 minutes yeah, it's, um, and it'll shock you how relevant it is to today. And you'll think, oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger action movie, like the basic description of what we got. But I'm telling you, there's like layers there that they wrote in and it reflects, um, especially the character yeah. choices. Pay close attention to the character choices. I think you'll find that um, uh, striking for the time, especially. All right, I got to add that to my list. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, a good so one. So Brian and I have been on like, like waiting for the like, when is the running man dystopian reality show of the future actually going to be what they start broadcasting into our homes? And we had that conversation about a month ago and apparently here we are, the Squid Game game, right? And of course, like I'm it. sure it's not going to be that bad. It's, yeah. I'm sure it's going to be like, <laughs> a lot of slime, yeah. right? You fall in some water or but something. Like, yeah. But I feel like that's... But that's what we're, that, that was like the whole but point. But I mean, even Survivor, right? Like, right? Like, when we first heard about Survivor, I was really confused, right? Like, are they kicking, they're really like kicking, are they killing people? Are they kicking them, really like throwing them in the water? Like, what, throwing them off boats? Like, letting them swim? Like, there was all, you know, and there wasn't really like, I get there was the internet at the time, but it wasn't like to the extent that it is today. So there was sort of like a lot of speculation. I mean, the whole context, the whole concept of Survivor is, is pretty much the same, right? Yeah, um, I found it interesting, um, the split between, like, I read about the, the book, I'm going to read the book, but, like, in the book, they just let a person basically, like, leave uh, the, like, headquarters where they have, like, the filming the TV show, and they just kind of, like, go out into, like, America, and it's like, okay, cool, these, like, bounty hunters are basically just going to hunt you across wherever, as far as you can go, like, and they keep sending more people after you, so I'm interested to read that, too, um, and, and the funny thing about this, this is, like, a Stephen King story, uh, based on someone else's story from the 60s or something like that. And then his the movie was based on his book. And even though it's, like, well-regarded, for some reason, he actually decided to pull his name from it. It's Richard Bachman, like, his pen name that he puts on some of his things. He didn't want Stephen King to be attached to what is now remembered as, like, one of the most everyone's favorite Arnold movie. One of them. So, huh. yeah, I, don't, I, I found that interesting, too. It, it's such a significant act of writing, too. The writing is the most interesting part of the film, and he didn't want to be attached. So, uh, yeah. I didn't even know he had a pen name. Yeah, uh, Richard Bachman. He had a couple. Yeah, he oh, uses another one on stuff that he like wants nothing to do with, uh, like Alan Smithy kind of style. But his son, oh. his son even uses a pen name because he wants to like write off his own credit instead of you know his dad's, Joe Hill. Um, oh. Mm -hmm. Which well, now I'm learning a lot today. Yeah, <laughs> that's me. Um, Pop culture nerd. So you're you're myself. hanging out with. I love it. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. What was I looking at? Kathy. Um, yeah. You, no, I mean, I, I, I've i been, well, like I said, I mean, I've been, I've just been on this, uh, uh, the other, so the other thing I just watched recently, because um, we, me and my partner, we made a double feature of it. I had not seen The Irishman, the Scorsese movie. Mm -hmm. okay. Oh, yeah. Um, I haven't seen it either. It's really good. Uh, is um, it? It's long, I, right? Yeah, it's no, it's a, it's a commitment. So it's kind of, is it kind of violent? Because I don't want to. So no, actually. Okay. Um, so interestingly yeah. enough, as far as the Scorsese movies go, this one is maybe the least violent. I mean, there will definitely be some scenes, right? 
Um, but a lot of it happens out of view of the camera. And part of that um, is because uh, the story itself, um, uh, so the, the gentleman, the pr title protagonist, the Irishman, he's, um, he will eventually become Jimmy Hoffa's bodyguard. Okay. And so the, the plot of the movie is basically him saying, here's what I think happened to Jimmy Hoffa. And then that's the story, right? So um, we, my partner and I finished watching this movie and um, I, was a, I used to be a teacher um, in Los Angeles and I was part of our labor movement out there. And so he was like, well, what do you think about like the labor movement now? And like, what, do you, what are your thoughts on how this impacted things? So he, my partner and I had a really lovely discussion about that, but um, that's not the point of this particular story. We followed it up with a double feature that related to The Irishman, which was Oliver Stone's JFK. Again, we love to party around here. We followed <laughs> it up with another three-hour movie, right? I so, love it. Um, but same thing, right? Um, a lot of uh, similar controversies, uh, conspiracy theory type of things that are in it, right? But we're talking about Oliver Stone and Martin Scorsese. We're not talking about some random person on the internet, let's say, even though basically that's what they are too, right? They just happen to do it behind a camera with budgets of millions of dollars, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But we started talking about it because uh, it was like, how old were you when you first heard of JFK? How old were you when you first heard of Jimmy Hoffa? The fact that the youngsters don't know who Jimmy Hoffa is, is a kind of common joke in The Irishman. Yeah, I, right? I honestly, uh, I, didn't, I didn't know... Con conceptually i didn't have a besides people saying you know what they say about things like i didn't really know who jimmy hoffa was until i watched that movie and i was like oh i'll just go read wikipedia and i was like oh i'll go read like some more things clearly he was like an influential person very you yeah. know, conflicted and etc but like fascinating mm -hmm. persona and played by al pacino in that movie by the way is like incredible yeah. like, delightful his best uh, acting but in it, it got us to this point of like how how do how does this like reality intersect again it's it's the thing i'm fascinated with is this uh like tension between reality and fiction which i think isn't actually there um or less so um than we think it is there's something about this like the veil between fiction and yeah. reality is thinner than ever and yet i feel like people are more and more insistent on there actually being a separation um, yeah, I think and that so feels well really bizarre to me. Yeah, people are so insistent on there being being a separation. Starts at the library. Right? Yeah, starts at the library. I think. Yeah, no, I agree. I think. Yeah, I mean, I guess as as I said in the book, right? I mean, I think that the idea of trying to like extract like a pure truth or like a pure reality from any situation is just impossible, right? right. So. Yeah. It's so interesting though. When I was thinking of it, I, I, I thought you were going to ask like, a different question, but I was thinking about this when you were talking about watching The Irishman, which Please. is, you know, like I don't, I don't typically watch movies like that. Although maybe I will watch this one if it's not that violent, because I, I think one of the things that draws me toward reality TV is that really the stakes are so low. Yeah. Like within the shows themselves, I think the stakes of reality TV as a genre are actually really high. But I think that, like, you know, we had a president, right? But the, the stakes of the actual shows are, like, will Ramona invite Bethany to her barbecue? And there's something so freeing, right, about being yeah. able to, like, that's the biggest conflict. Or, like, will someone get the Hermes bag or not, right? Um, there's something, especially, like, in, in this world, right, where there's everything is so high stakes all the time. 
um, there is still something so freeing about being able to watch something like that, um, which is why I turned to Real Housewives instead of something like The Irishman, even though The exactly. Irishman would fo- maybe feed me more intellectually in some ways. Yeah, I, I definitely spent, uh, that was kind of why I made my transition, you know, in the last year to like watching a lot more reality television was because I, once I found out that I enjoyed it, I was like, well, there's this whole world of experiences out there. And then once I realized there's a whole world of experiences, I realized that each one of those even has like a little subcategory that probably has five shows just like it. And we were able to dive into all different categories. Dating shows were the most interesting, like right off the bat. But then we got into like all the different things that exist. Like I didn't even really know like how many things existed out there in reality. Like I I had watched a little bit of intervention. I started watching that. I started like watching like, um, like pretty much everything out there. Like even I will say this, like, um, the TLC one, which is that like discovery plus, I think it is the one that has TLC on it, but like that plus paramount plus is is like all you need to like just you're just gonna binge forever to like watch if you wanted to like oh, dive yeah, through and do TLC. that but paramount plus man you can watch teen mom in there which is something like that's another thing that i've watched a considerable mm-hmm. amount of is is teen mom and 16 and pregnant watched all like the origin stories and watched through those character shows like through season three or four and i'm like those shows I mean, there's so many different subgenres. teen mom mm-hmm. alone like teen mom opened a whole world of like i just had never seen before like and, and i was experiencing this because just the way that they make the show it was like or catfish i've watched like eight seasons of catfish and watching oh, yeah. through all of catfish was like completely eye-opening to me too because well, you know frequently i've spent time online and various personas and stuff like that but i never really saw the other end i mean i don't put myself in a category where i say i can't get catfished i have been before but like um, so the creator of the show is kind of the whole concept, but um, uh, realizing all the different motivations behind these false identities that people have on the internet even was uh, hugely eye-opening to me because they're n- most of the time not the reasons you would expect, um, unless you've been skulking around on the internet in dark corners for a long time. But it's mm-hmm. it's it's uh, way more complicated than anyone would imagine before perhaps watching the show. I, I highly recommend Catfish out there. We haven't really discussed it too much on the show. But um, as far as reality shows, it's like right in the edge of reality documentary sort of. But um, it's it will open your eyes uh, to anyone out there who hasn't seen it. And it's, that totally ties into what we were talking about, right? Like the, the cusp between fiction and reality and playing out are, on that show. Like what's really real. And yeah. then also like with Kat, what Kathy was talking about, right? The whole true crime subgenre, which I don't actually talk that much about in the book. But it probably could be its own its own book um, in terms of why we tune into those true crime shows. Yeah. It's so uh, Danielle, I'm going to share with you a silly story. I've shared it. I've shared it with our listeners because it's kind of embarrassing. Um, but I, I feel like it's important to this, right? So like um, as someone who loves uh, true crime and I've watched quite a bit of it again, like all of these like silly, like lifetime series of like, killer neighbor next door like i love uh, the all killer that next stuff. door yeah mm-hmm. yeah no yeah. Mm, right love it so swamp um, murders yeah <laughs> yeah um there was uh are you familiar with the show american vandal yes mm-hmm. okay so um as listeners know as you know right it's like a mockumentary style fake following of like a investigation like serial or the staircase uh these teens have been accused of this terrible crime of vandalizing and spray painting uh, penises on teachers' cars, which is a very serious crime, of course. And then we follow uh, the investigation and the audiovisual teens who are investigating it, like they're the documentarians, uh, right? Like, um, 
It, I was like about two episodes in, three episodes. I was a few episodes in before I realized that it was a complete fake mockumentary. And I say this as someone who loves really? Spinal Tap. I've watched a lot of Waiting for Guffman, right? Like, whatever. Like, I like, and sure it was in the pandemic. Sure it was new. Sure I was maybe only paying half attention to it. But it did take me a minute to go, this is completely fake. This, I was, I was duped. Well, I had a sort of similar experience, not with that, but with the show Nathan for You. Have you seen that show? So, yeah, so my, my husband, he's like, reality TV, you'll love this, like, introduced me to the show, and I was like, this is, this is scripted. I, I guess it was the opposite, right? I was like, this is, this is scripted. But the weird thing about that show was, like, you can't really tell, like, what is su- scripted and what's real and, like, what is supposed to come off as scripted and what's supposed to come off as real, so... It's, it's, it makes for very, like, I get very nervous viewing it because I can't, like, put it into one category or another. Um, that's really funny because I was living in Los Angeles when they did the coffee shop episode, the fake Starbucks episode. Oh, so there's yeah. A Nathan, okay. There was a Nathan for You episode where, um, for again, for folks who may not be familiar with the premise, Nathan for You is a business consultant, and he talks to businesses that are struggling and he comes up with like a new marketing advertising plan for them to get, you know, to kind of revitalize their business. And there was an episode where he was helping out a barista who was having a hard time. And he's like, well, why don't you just pretend to be face uh, Starbucks? And they opened up this fake Starbucks. Now, when they opened up the fake Starbucks in Los Angeles, um, the Nathan for You episode, of course, wasn't out yet. So all we knew was there was, a fake Starbucks that had opened up down the street that was parodying. And in the episode, you see the Nathan camera people going around pretending to be news reporters going, hey, what are you doing here? And they're like, oh, we don't know. It's like an artistic Starbucks and it's probably Banksy or it's probably like a Hollywood thing. And no one knows, but we're here. It must be cool. Right. Because obviously it wouldn't just be happening. And so like he creates the scene of people showing up and being like, oh, it must be some really cool art. Meanwhile, it was just him trying to get customers to go down to the other coffee shop because now this one's really crowded. Hmm. I could see that. Interesting. I could see that kind of thing being performed on a, pro, on a like a, a, a professional basis, like a scheduled basis. Like I, I went to this one thing um, that was like uh, sort of a pop-up weird experiences. Right when Westworld came out, it was the summer after that, it was at San Diego Comic-Con. And they had this promotional event where they basically took the ballroom in like lower half of like a, a hotel and convert it into the West world experience, which was much like the very beginning of the show for viewers. who haven't seen it. You go through and you're going to go into this virtual world where you can basically act out anything you want. And the people are going to play around and act with you because they're all like, you know, artificial people or whatever. And uh, you're going to go through your cowboy gear. You're going to get it on. You're going to pick your gun. You're going to go through and you're going to have play out these scenarios. Now, these people in this setup it was very like hush hush and you had to like get like tickets to it in like a weird way. I waited in line forever. I didn't get in, but I talked to people who got in there. It was like what they described was like completely unbelievable, but it was basically like living a fictional reality. It was like living. You could do anything in there and they would act out as if it happened. You shot them. uh, You were going to have a discussion with them. I mean, it was like, it was like a group role playing session, but with like 20 people essentially like all doing their thing and moving with these actors. And I ended up like speaking to online after it was over uh, the people who put it on, on Twitter kind of randomly. 
and because I like tagged them in something and they were they were telling me about it and like I've only like when I first saw Meow Wolf which we've discussed before it's a place in Santa Fe that has like um, fictionalized physical spaces where like you're going into different dimensions and spaces just like walking around um, like I feel like and we discussed this in a recent episode like I feel like that concept taking the flimsy uh, veil between reality and 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 uh, and 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 fiction or whatever and making like physical spaces out of that even an entire building or something is is really the future of i think like unoccupied spaces um for a number of reasons there are trends to indicate that i think but i don't know um oh yeah there you go yeah perfect perfect yeah so i just dropped a link in the chat yeah so um it's this uh the this art space that brian was describing here in santa fe um, started as like a DIY art collective. They created this like, uh, they created like a theme park type experience inside an old bowling alley. Um, their origin story is pretty cool. Like they got funded by George R. R. Martin and all kinds of stuff. Um, and they created all this really cool thing. Uh, but they were just like local artists here in Santa Fe. But because they got all this money and all this attention, now they're growing. They're huge now. And um they're about to put, open up a new place, apparently out in Denton at the Grape, Grapevine Mall or whatever. Um, and they have like uh, one in Denver that they opened up, which is a fake grocery store. Yeah. Um, they had something and they had done they had done some installation in Phoenix. I know they've done stuff at South by Southwest. There's a fake um, uh, convenience store in Las Vegas, I think. Mm, okay. Like the Mega Mart um, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And then now it's starting to kind of pick up it's becoming like this thing that people are copying it's it's like they were in on like virtual reality irl before anyone else was right because they're creating these like hyper like sensory experiences and they have like right? storylines lots of yeah. mm-hmm. it's 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 an overwhelming experience if you haven't like had even like a taste of it like looking into that it's gonna it's, um, yeah. but I really do think that uh, people's uh, tenuous connection to reality uh, will constantly dwindle until we like. I think that's like the dopest thing that we can possibly imagine is like becoming like going physically into this virtual thing. Forget virtual reality. Let's construct a space that's like fun to be in. That's like only just like novel as an experience. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just um, I don't know. I, I just feel like uh, reality television is a very good way to discuss all of these things because we have this you know like like you said at the very beginning um you'll speak to colleagues that secretly have watched reality television without even watching them watching it and that's why we've kind of chosen this media to discuss this tenuous nature with reality with the audience is because everyone has this shared vocabulary um everyone a lot of our audience has seen survivor if they haven't they've seen a little bit of the kardashians if they haven't they've seen a little bit of i don't know duck dynasty or something they've seen something and they know how those stories are organized. And I think that there's a very, uh, there's a interesting task to be completed with using that vocabulary to talk about anything else. Um, cool. I'm a big fan of saying everything you have to say in the most adre- like uh, acceptable to the person you're speaking to uh, way possible. Um, and, and in reality television is a great way to communicate. I think so. I mean, and even people who haven't tuned into any shows, I don't know 
who those people are, but I'm sure there are some, right? I mean, they, they end up sort of knowing the vocabulary of these shows. They knowing they end up knowing, like, like my husband who doesn't watch reality TV at all, like will tell me about things that are happening on the shows before I know about them. Cause he like read the Washington post and it's being covered in mainstream media now. Yeah. So like, you can't, you can't avert your eyes. It's impossible. I mean, I get the notifications yeah. all day, you know, I'm, I'm learning about all the weddings and stuff. I'm seeing the pictures come up on Kylie's, you know, Instagram. I'm seeing people on Twitter screenshot Kylie's Instagram photos from yeah. from Courtney's wedding of the little tiny like roll up of pasta that's like this big for your whole dinner and like posting it. And then I'm posting it as my own, making the veil as thin as possible. Um, I, I just someone really when I posted that picture, someone really did ask me if if like, hey, where like what? Is this a small amount of pasta? Like someone didn't read the context and get that it was posting, you know, Kylie Jenner's picture on my Twitter. Um, I, I just love. But like, you were totally at the wedding, obviously. Yeah, like I, that's what I said. I so I was like, here I am. I was here I am. Yeah, virtually. Yeah. I, I just love that someone could believe that. That's why I told Kathy the day I did it was like, I'm just going to keep doing this every time until someone word searches me and th- thinks that I'm actually at a celebrity wedding and that I can just pretend I am because I think that um, the way that the internet works, there's no doubt that I could get away with that. Well, that's the appeal, I mean, right? I just start, yeah. Of reality TV and like this multi-platform approach is that we can feel like we're like friends with Kim Kardashian. We can feel yeah. like we're right there, you know. Yeah, the parasocial relationship is real. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let me ask you uh, two quick questions. Do, uh, 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 my dinner with Andre and uh, Grey Gardens and and the Beals of Grey Gardens, the sequel there, uh, are those reality proto reality productions? Um, I don't know. You know, I don't know about those types of questions. Like to me, I know I'm going to give you a really unsatisfying sociologist answer, which is that like everything's a social construct. So like, sure. Like I'm sure you could make an argument that they are just like you could make an argument that, that I love Lucy is, but it's, I mean, reality TV, it's such a, right. We were talking, it's such a sprawling medium. Like there's, it has really fuzzy boundaries. I mean, you could probably make an argument that almost anything is like relevant to reality TV. So um, that's my non-answer. That's our, <laughs> answer and, is and it's that's, all a social construct. And that's our main argument on the show, virtually that almost everything is actually reality TV in some way or, or not. And, and, and I think that, um, I, I, I can't. Yeah, we've said something <laughs> like, I think, I think with the way we've also said this is like, every piece of fiction is still real right like that's why science fiction is real that's why that's why the running man is like so compelling like that's not real it's not a real story but if we created it we as humans created it it's tapping into these like ancient stories right Right. um that we had one episode where we were trying we went through we have this like spreadsheet where we talk about like all of the shows we've watched We, we had one episode where we went through trying to classify them in the like traditional narratives of literary conflict like man versus nature man versus self you know like we had a little bit of fun with that and we were just kind of enjoying it and really realizing like actually every story falls into these you know kind of ancient categories right i say ancient right we are kind of well established they're tropish or you know I'm, i'm not here to argue with like literary theorists either but like um you know just kind of saying like yeah man versus nature that's survivor right man versus self that's american ninja warrior that's right Gil- like gilgamesh yeah right anything mm-hmm. man versus man that's the jerry springer show right so like 
Um, but just kind of realizing, right, like all of these stories, they're really still universal. Like if, if we're talking about like really what's the difference between watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians and like getting through all seven volumes of In Remembrance of Things Past by Proust or whatever. Right. Like it's the same thing. I think one's just cuter to look at, frankly, like I mean, <laughs> sorry, Proust, it ain't you, you know, like, you know, um, I don't know. It's just this this whole thing that I have about like just yeah, we don't have if we're always crafting our reality too, what does that mean for what our reality is? We get to shape it. We get to determine what that is. I can um I, I don't have the money for Marilyn Monroe's dress, but there's really nothing stopping me from basically adopting a Marilyn Monroe persona if that's really what I want to do, you know, and now I can just be that persona in my real life, even if it's fake, you know? Yeah, it's Kim, not that yeah. Kim just I mean, got there's also like this like post-structuralist idea right that like no new work no new plots can ever be created right we're all just repeating the same ones over and over and over 100 percent. yeah 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 the more you look at um or i'll say this i'll speak for myself the more i look at uh all these stories that we have access to um thinking about them as stories themselves and thinking about them kind of as a storyteller i guess doing this is like I'm noticing a lot of patterns. The more, the more, um, I mean, of course, obviously you're looking at a lot of stories. You're going to see patterns, especially in reality shows that share genres and stuff like that. But um, the, the way that uh, things are portrayed, I'm seeing like a growing pattern towards actually being more, um, no matter what the show is, uh, being more like real. And this uh, fixation on like being real. Even the cast is, is fixated on being real, which they'll say it. On Love Island, they'll say that a lot uh, the uk version like when i watched season three i just kind of watched it a couple first episodes again recently to kind of refresh and they they are really fixated on being real which is obviously a weird thing being on a reality show i mean they're all going to perform a character we've talked about this but like um it's it's funny to me that even the people on a reality show um like we addressed this in the very first episode of the show. Some people on reality shows are aware and casted because they don't really know they're on a reality show, like what that entails exactly. They think they're out for a fun romp and they're going to learn this or that or I don't know, have whatever experience they are. Some people are definitely know they're on, like Richard Hatch, knew he was on a reality show, knew what that meant, knew what he needed to do to have a thing to get what he wanted, right? Um, but a lot of people who I think usually the people that are like first kicked off a reality show, like your um, the lady in season two of Survivor, it looked like she was like clueless. I don't know. No offense to her, but she got kicked off because everyone around her was like, why is this lady here? Um, and uh, shows. Are you the one? Definitely casted people like that. They would definitely cast people who weren't. Uh, or Tila Tequila, great example. I feel like half the people on that show didn't know they were really on a reality show and what that meant. They thought they were really competing for Tila Tequila's love. They didn't know that they were on a reality show that was at season one going to end. And she went like, I don't know, season two. Like, she, they didn't expect that for some reason. Maybe there wasn't enough reality television out there for people to have this jaded, I don't know, view. But I don't know. Um uh, I don't know what to even say. Yeah, no, I know. It's so interesting. Like, especially with, you know, like The Bachelor too, right? Like, which I talk about in the book about, you know, being here for the right reasons, where the right reasons yeah. are supposed to right. be. Right. You're there out of this pure, like, quest for love. And you, at the moment you meet The Bachelor, you have feelings for him. And if you have any hesitation or any doubts, then you're not there for the right reasons. But of course, like, probably most of them are not there for those reasons, but then mm -hmm. they have to perform as though they are. And it's like layer upon layer of like 
fakeness and reality yeah. like all intertwined as they say on love island uh we're perfect on paper we're perfect on paper they say that all the time we're perfect on paper which means that like mm. they're saying like in the perspective of the show and the perspective of what the audience knows about us uh we're gonna fit together perfectly because you know in that show the audience does have some voting angles so they really do want to appear a certain way to the audience and for a very specific reason um but what they're when they, they bring that up it's to say the audience and the producers and everything might like us in this coupling um but you know, they're saying like, oh, well, when the time comes, we're going to like split up. Or even when they're saying to their friends, when they're d- talking about a new potential mate before they switch or something like that, they're talking about how this perf- person's perfect on paper and how that might carry them to the end, like especially in those like final rounds. It, it. So people even inside reality shows have figured out that they're like, I don't know, ill prepared somehow or like or they 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 need to get their mind wrapped around something but they can't exactly figure out like what it is to then become like oh i'm gonna like play this game richard hatch figured mm-hmm. it out i guess way back in the early but most people i don't think get there um it's well, fun to I watch think it's like I, I think it's the reason that that guy acted in front of the cops um it's because like i'll say like essentially they've lost touch with what it means to just be human Right. Like everyone thinks like there's like um, like I don't act like I'm always in a reality television show when I'm like engaging with my friends, you know, Mm -hmm. like I don't think like, oh, you're going to like leak this information to the press about my secret wedding or something, you know, like maybe because I don't have secret weddings and things like that. Right. But I don't know something about this, like. Where we're like always on stage we're always like trying to act that we forget that like what it means to just act natural right like we're still trying to like it's what i do when i'm like worried about um like having to do public speaking or something right like is my hair out of place Mm -hmm. is like am i did i rehearse enough right um but i do think also like oh sorry no 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 no, go right ahead i do think also pretty i mean producers will say like you know, you film for enough hours, like eventually that artifice is stripped away because you can't act. Yes. You can't act 24 seven. Yes. And that's visible in the Kardashians. They're very aware of the fact that they're on camera for a couple seasons and then somewhere around season three and four. And by the time, you know, Lamar shows up and then the family drama comes out and Scott starts like, you know, punching mirrors and stuff like that in Miami. Um, mm-hmm. Incredible, incredible season television. Uh then you notice that they they've had like you said the cameras around them for so long even this family who's like the most famous reality television family it has forgotten that the cameras are there even though they're complaining about them being there you know off camera or whatever or that it's you know upsetting their life or whatever they they you know scott punched multiple mirrors i believe uh at least one for sure cut his hand open and everything in front of cameras rolling for a reality television show unbelievable yeah. I mean, and people will say like, well, you know, reality TV's been along for so many decades. People know what they're getting into at this point. And I don't think, I think that's true to some extent, but I don't, I don't think people know the full extent. I mean, I'm, I don't know how I would act, right? If I were, you know, being filmed 24 seven, being plied with alcohol, being told, oh, that person you think is your friend, like, isn't really your friend. Yeah. And, being forced to think about only that for that amount of time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think even the most savvy person going on to a reality show, I think you know, but you don't really know. Yeah. It's interesting how even on like things like 
Project Runway or like the Great British Baking Show even, which are like Great British Baking Show, the most wholesome, non-threatening, non-violent of all the competition reality shows, right? Um, Even then, they'll be like, oh, I didn't know it was going to be so hard to be away from my family for all these weeks. You know, like, even though they say that every season, right? Right, yeah. You know, um, or, you know, and same thing, like, on Project Runway. Like, oh, I didn't know I was going to be away from my family this long. Or I didn't know, like, the competition was this hard. I'm like, didn't you watch it? Like, I mean, to some some extent, it's eye-roll worthy, right? Like, when they're going, I nailed it, and they're like, I don't know how to use a stand mixer. It's like, you didn't, like practice like always use just a little right right. like just like look it up on a youtube video or something like on the plane um but yeah i I think that becomes part of the act too right (laughs) probably right i think to some it's like like the old trope with like the amazing race like why would you not learn to drive a stick shift right before going on that show so i think to some extent like yes you can blame them but to another extent i don't think I don't think we really know what it is like to be in a context like that and how that can mess with your psyche yet. <laughs> I, I feel like, um, uh, uh, we as, as, as reality television researchers, um, need to do the due diligence and all the topics and, and, and try to unravel, uh, what it's really doing to everyone's mind, the participants, the viewers, the, um, I think there's a lot to think about there. Um, and then clearly we won't know for a very long time, like with the truth of how reality TV, besides having elected a president has changed our world um, until we can really look back at it. I mean, you, you've done that in your book very well. Um, and I think that um, we're, we're going to keep trying um, to, to try to bring context to like the stuff that we've learned. I mean, we, we've learned a lot of interesting facts and, uh, and we're putting them all together and we're developing a thesis. And I feel like in a year or two, We'll be able to write something about everything that we've learned, but we're getting there. All right. And uh, and, and thank Brian, you. Brian thinks that we have a good shot at either getting a PhD mm-hmm. or a really good like uh, contract project going with the E Network. Mm-hmm. So oh. either or, I think we're gonna both. Of course, would be awesome, but I. I personally, I'm rooting for the like e network deal. That's what yeah. I would either read your dissertation or watch your show. You can so. read Kathy's dissertation because I dropped out of college. So <laughs> um. we're, we're we're both college. No, we're both college dropouts right here. Uh, but yeah, I um, I, I'm so thankful anyway, to have you on um, the program. So it's, it's been oh, thanks for having me on. Yeah. I, I, it's Danielle. It's been a delight. Uh, it's uh, it's really awesome to just know that other folks are. I guess taking something so lighthearted seriously um, and um, actually wanting to have conversations about things that people would other, I think a lot of people think are pretty unimportant, right? Um, But seeing how important all of this stuff is and just having, I don't know, just a grand old time talking about it, it's been really delightful. So I'm thankful to you for basically kicking off our podcast. I feel like without yeah. your book, we would have never actually started talking about all of this mm-hmm. stuff. Oh, I love to hear that. Yeah, you provide us. I'm going to have to check out Running Man too. I have it written oh, down. You're so. going to love it. I'll, I look forward to seeing you tweet that this has changed. It's open doors, you know, because it, it 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 may it may. It's a good uh, it's a good length yeah. and it, it's it's layered. There's a lot of metaphor there. So strap in. You're going to enjoy it. I think. Um, Great. Yeah. 
and uh, and it's funny too. Because, well, and keep your like finger on the fast forward button when you watch The Irishman, because there there are some, there are some but not nearly. Yeah, okay. of course there are, but there aren't nearly as many as like in Casino, for example. Yeah, so the beginning of Casino is hard. That one. Yeah. 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 Okay. Now here it's yeah. Now this here it's a bunch of like old guys and retirees going. I remember what it was like, um, and that's mostly the movie. So it's actually mostly dialogue, but again, you know, and you can you can send some comment. You know, they set them up. So. <laughs> well, my husband's already seen it, so hopefully he can warn me like there when it's go. about to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he always tells me he said it wasn't violent either, but he always tells me that, and then it's like someone's head gets chopped off and is rolling across the room. He's like, ah. Very relative with Scorsese movies, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, I mean, you know. I, I watched Hellraiser last night, and uh, someone was just sleeping on the couch next to me and woke up at, like, the very end when the guy's, like, Jesus wept and gets, like, torn in half. And I was like, oh, hello. How's it going? It's 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah. I'm really sorry you came in at, like, the exact wrong moment. Um. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Yes. Well, thank you so much again. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you so much. It's it's been such a pleasure. And and um, is there anything you're you're working on that you'd like to talk about? I mean, we we do have a full fifty to to one hundred listeners that might listen and 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 enjoy uh, true story or anything else you've been working on. Oh well, right now I'm just really like focusing on talking about true story to amazing folks like yourselves. Cool. Um, and then just kind of thinking about what my next project should be. Awesome. I have a million ideas. And I was going to say, if you have any ideas. I have a million ideas. It starts with uh, uh, gaming addiction, actually, um, and, and the deviance thereof. Yeah, because it's a whole Oh, yeah, a there's a lot world. written about that. I, I highly yeah. suggest, um, here's a book. I know you have like a very busy world. I'm going to make a book recommendation just because I think it's very tied into, honestly, what I've been reading with yours. It's called uh, Machine Gaming. It's about... Um, it's about gambling addiction through um, addiction. Oh, he's brand Addiction by design. Addiction by design. This is this book here is about people who are addicted to specifically like uh, machine casino machine gambling, um, and it is definitely tied in with like how people in society are treated as like deviants and stuff like that. Like I can't. I've already talked about it on the program specifically because I think it's tied in. But man. Uh, check it out because I think that if you look at this and you apply it to uh, video game addiction specifically, it, this is the same book. This book was written about current day people who spend thousands of dollars, you know, a month on Fortnite and stuff like that. Like that's Ooh. what this is really about. And uh, nobody wants to talk about it because it makes a lot of money. And the people who do would want to talk about it, who can, can't get published in any kind of outlet that will because they want to preserve exactly what they're doing. If you, someone wrote a really good article about how people are destroying their lives spending money on online stuff, specifically microtransactions with gaming, it would be a door opener for social change in that world because nobody even wants to talk about it. It's a huge thing. But that's, that's what I'm focusing on when at my next after reality is uh, <laughs> tasted. Okay. Yeah. So. All right. Yeah, well, it's on my list. Yep. That's okay. all I can say. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining right. us, Danielle. All right. Thanks so much again. Really appreciate you having me on. Are you going to let me know when the, the podcast comes out? Absolutely. I'll, I'll send you a, a, like a, a DM or something before, and it'll probably be in the next day or so because I'm going to do a little bit of editing and, and stuff and uh, make it all okay. put some music at the back and front and everything. But yeah, um, we're all so right. we're so happy to have you. It's been like I've been thinking about it all couple last couple of weeks. So. Oh, okay. Well, it was great being on, and uh, I look forward to hearing the final project. Absolutely. Product. Uh, yeah, I'll send awesome. you. I'll send you a link as soon as it's up. 
Take care. Thank you. Bye. Cool. Ahoy. Yeah, hey. Hey, so I actually only have 10 minutes, guys, to That's jump fine. on a call with my boss at 1.30, yeah, but we fine. can chat a little bit. Low. Actually, hold yeah. on, I just got a text message. Maybe no, yeah. it might be him pushing it back, so let me see. Yeah, yeah. No, okay, we're good. Okay. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay. Oh. Um, yeah, so um, that was awesome. We did our first great. interview. Thank you. I, I yeah, think you did a good exciting. job, too. You, you rescued me a few times there. Thank you. I lost no my train worries, of thought. No um, okay, it's okay. Uh, She's great. She um, is. I, you know, and I and, really did uh, want to so talk really to her fun. just like we did instead of like talking over the book so much. I covered the book a couple times, but you know what I mean? And I, oh, I was happy about that. And she gave no, us, that's what uh, the book is for. That's why we want to tell everyone, read the goddamn book, right? Go. So, yeah. yeah leave them wanting um, more. But yeah. I. Oh. Well, hey, so like, um, because yeah. I only have like yeah. a few minutes, yeah. I figure, why don't you and I chat like maybe over dm we can also like get on a zoom maybe tomorrow or something yeah. or over the weekend just in blah 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 a little bit yeah um, that's all I, yeah i just yeah I just even um it's nothing i just want to like talk about whatever i don't know what we're going to do ideas yeah. for future episodes and stuff like that so yeah no all. we'll do that um and also i i still like i've been trying to upload the audio file i still have to fuck with it i'll try okay. to do that here in this Sure. Here in a moment, actually, while I'm on the call with my boss. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Thank you, right. Kathy. I'll, I'll talk to you very soon, too. Okay. Bye. Bye.
Show up. 